You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. Turn to Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 11. The author of Hebrews, that many people uh, think it's Paul, it's very possible that Paul wrote Hebrews, uh, kind of slams these people in the book for not... uh, knowing what they should know, kind of slams them and says, you're still drinking milk, you're still a baby Christian when you should be teachers. And so listen to what Paul has to say, or the author of Hebrews has to say. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, uh, says this. We have much to say about this. So he's talking about salvation and righteousness. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. Everybody say, oh dang. You hear it? He's kind of slamming that. You are slow to learn. In fact... Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food, exclamation. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not, uh, what is that word? Acquainted. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Let me read it over. Sorry. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. Let's pray this morning. God, we ask you that you will train us with um, righteousness, that you will train us, give us solid food to eat. God, that we might, we might in this analogy, go from drinking milk to, to eating solid food as, as, as far as the spiritual analogy is concerned. God, we want to know you. We want to know the deep truths. God, we want to serve others with our wisdom and our knowledge. And so, God, we, we do ask that you are present in the Mill Sunday School to open our hearts and minds that we might know you on a deeper level and love you with our mind. So we do love you and praise you. And everyone screamed? Amen. Amen. I was in a pool hall with, with a buddy playing pool, and these two Mormon missionaries with, like, their white shirts, their ties, their smiles, their elder name badges came up to us and said, can we give you a Book of Mormon and tell you about Mormonism? And I kind of freaked out because I had just moved to Utah. I had heard about Mormons, but I didn't know any. I hadn't talked to a Mormon yet. I moved to Utah. I ended up living there about three years. I was part of a really cool church, more of a Baptist tradition. And I was a really great church. And I got plugged into their college ministry and learned very quickly that their uh, Mormons and evangelical Christians have a lot in common. Like if you ask a Mormon, hey, are, do you believe in the Bible? They'll say, yes. If you ask a Mormon, are you a Christian? And they'll say, yeah. If you ask a Mormon, do you believe in Jesus? They'll say, yeah, I do. But the, there are differences between an evangelical Christian and a Mormon. And there, there are foundational differences that really separate us in doctrine and what we truly believe when we get down to it. And so um, I learned that very quickly and I made some friends in this college ministry, uh, became friends with like this really, I thought it was really cool. He, he was pretty cool. This dude that was like really immature, probably because I'm kind of immature and I like other immature people. And like all he did was like talked, he like talked in uh, Dumb and Dumber quotes from that movie or like Tommy Boy quotes. Like everything he says was like a quote from one of those movies. His favorite thing to do is play at the nickel arcade and just like waste a bunch of money on the arcade. And we would play pool together. And so he just really kind of, I mean, he was just right out of high school. I had been in college like two or three years. And so just, I just kind of 
thought he was just kind of an immature kind of believer, immature kind of person, immature just in who he was. And I didn't know him very well, but just had that impression of him because he was always talking in Dumb and Dumber quotes. Um, But when we were playing pool at that pool hall this night, and the Mormon missionaries came over and said, can we give you a Book of Mormon? I took it and said, can I tell you about the Mormon church? And I I was like, I guess I don't really know too much. My friend kind of jumped in and said, um, well, w- you know, we're Christians. We don't believe in, in some of your doctrine. And they, they got into a, a nice conversation, a friendly conversation back and forth where he was my friend that I thought was just immature, silly nickel arcade guy was talking about like the hypostatic union, how Jesus is both God and man at the same time. He started, he, he, he talked about the Trinity, how Christians believe in the Trinity, but Mormons don't. And he went on and on. He had scriptures to back up what he was saying. And he just went into like full doctrine, uh, deep doctrine of the differences between Christians and Mormons. And I was just blown away. I was like, he stopped doing the Dumb and Dumber quotes and he had like huge theological treatises ready at hand with verses of scripture, just pulling it out of his pocket and uh, talking to this Mormon. And it was just really cool to see my friend do that. And I think the churches in Utah, the Christians in Utah, they need to know doctrine because doctrine is what separates um, Christians from in Utah at the time they were they were bragging that about more than 70% of the state of Utah considers themselves to be Mormon. So about like th- every three people in four is a Mormon in, in Utah, or at least comes from that background, considers themselves Mormon. So any time, if, if you're a Christian, you go to, to Utah, three out of four people are, that you talk to are going to have this Mormon the- theology in their doctrine that you're going to have to need to, to communicate with them. And the differences are subtle. And so the, the Christians in Utah have this deep need to know doctrine. And, and before this time, I just kind of, I guess I just took it for granted that, you know, I, 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 I knew I believed in the Trinity, but I couldn't tell you why. I couldn't really give you a verse as to why I believed in the Trinity. I knew Jesus was God and man at the same time, but I couldn't really tell you how that worked or show you any verses of how that worked. And so I was kind of blind to, to the importance of doctrine until I had conversations with Mormons that believe so similar and yet so different. And so this morning, we are going to talk about doctrine and um, kind of get into that. All this month, we're going to be talking about the D word, doctrine, because it kind of seems like, can kind of seem like a bad word sometimes. Um, But before we do that, some announcements. Are you ready for some announcements? It's a fun time. There's something this fall coming. It's called the Mill Fall Retreat. Anybody going? Anybody already signed up? That's what I'm talking about. It's going to be pretty sweet. If you don't know what it is, ask somebody that's been. They'll tell you it's like the most awesome thing, and then you'll want to go to. It's like peer pressure, you know? But a good peer pressure, because the fall retreat's a good thing. So there's fall retreat. Um, what else do I want to say? Tomorrow is Labor Day. There's a mill uh, picnic at Fox Run Park, noon to four. You can go there and get free hot dogs and frisbee and meet some new people and just hang out. Uh, it's like noon to four at Fox Run, yeah, which is just north of here. Uh, those announcements. If you're newish in here to the Mill Sunday School, there's, there's visitor cards on your table. You can fill one of those out, bring it to the nice people in the, at that booth back there, and they will give you a CD for coming. Pretty cool deal. And finally, does everyone see the new Sunday School thingy? Yeah. Is it pretty sweet? I love it. 
got like the church on there, some red trees. I don't know what that symbolizes, but it's awesome. And uh, on the back, it has our new schedule for 09-2010. This month, it says there, September, we are studying doctrine. Uh, next, next month, we'll study hermeneutics, November eschatology, and on and on. All through the months, this is our lineup. Get to know this. We've kind of made it in a bookmark form, so you can take it, put it in your Bible, so that you know what topic we're studying next month, if you want to come or if you want to sleep in. <laughs> You can do that. Uh, actually, next week, Sunday school is starting 15 minutes later because of the service change. Yes! And so Sunday school will start at 10 a.m. instead of 9.45. And so it's 15 minutes extra of sleep. Can you imagine if you had 15 minutes extra this morning? Wouldn't that have been awesome? That's what it's going to be like next week. It's going to be awesome. And so uh, don't forget, I guess you'll just show up early if you show up next week at the same time. We'll start at 10 uh, next week. Um, and so those are all your announcements. That's all, that's all I got to say about that. Let's talk about the D word. On your notes, in your skillet, that's what we call it, the Sunday school millet. Uh, it says doctrine of God versus relationship with God. And um, if you juxtapose those two things, doctrine of God versus relationship with God, which one is more important? Well, I would probably say, yeah, the relationship with God is more important. That, um, you know, we do believe in a God that is relational. We're saved by our, our faith and our relationship about God with God, not just knowing about God. There's that verse in um, uh, James, James 2.19, that says, You believe that there's one God? Good. Kind of like, so what? Even the demons believe that there's one God, and they shudder. And, and so there, there has to be more than just knowing about God and, and believing in God. There has to be a relationship with God. There has to be uh, this faith that changes your life. And so, and so it is better to have a relationship with God than just no doctrine about God. Now let's break down the word doctrine for a second. Here's all the bad baggage that comes with the word doctrine. I was in a, um, uh, my sermon planning meeting uh, on Thursday night with my friend Joel, wherever he's at. And he said, I don't like the word doctrine. Using the word doctrine is like using the word racist. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> the racist is a bad word. It has a lot of baggage. And to him, is that the word doctrine has a lot of bad connotations, such as, uh, like we think of doctrine as being institutional. We think of it being, uh, like, just have to conform to it. We think of high church when we think of doctrine. We think of uh, something corporate. And we know that corporation is a bad word to today, at least, I don't know, I guess it's not that bad, but it kind of is, it seems bad, uh, that the doctrine is ancient, the doctrine is traditional, the doctrine is uh, the strong telling the weak what to believe, like if you're indoctrinated, you know, someone's telling you what to believe, and you just have to believe, and you don't think for yourself, there's no freedom. Um, doctrine causes denominations and divisions, which leads to hurts, and um, d- um, God doesn't like divisions, and so there's all this baggage with the word doctrine. Even more so, it can seem very impersonal, like, oh, just knowing about God, you know, someone that knows about God and has good doctrine may or may not be a very good Christian. Someone uh, that's into doctrine may have, you know, this very institutionalized high church mentality, and and someone in authority might say, you know, point the finger at you and say, you're unorthodox. You don't believe like we believe. Get out of here. You're a horrible person. You're not adhering to our doctrine. And it attempts, the the baggage and the bad word doctrine is kind of, um, in some ways, an attempt 
or what people think is maybe an attempt to conform someone from the outside in to say, here's what you must believe. If you don't believe this, then you're you're not one of us. And uh, sometimes in doctrine, there's a lot of creeds, like the Christian uh, creeds, the statements of beliefs, the Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed have to do with doctrine. And it's something you just have to say if you're at church. You don't have to feel it. You just say it because you have to say it because it's a part of doctrine. Someone might say, why do I need doctrine? I got my best friend, JC, and I got my Bible. What do I need doctrine for, right? So these are all the bad connotations of doctrine. Have I made it look bad enough for you yet? All right, so doctrine is seemingly bad. Now let's smooth the ground and start building back up. I don't think doctrine is bad. Um, There's this quote on the back of your skillet. We always have sweet quotes of the day. It says, It is possible to know all about doctrines. I guess this is one more like degrading doctrine before we build it back up. The quote says, It is possible to know all about doctrine and still not know Jesus. A person's soul is in grave danger when the knowledge of doctrine surpasses Jesus, avoiding intimate touch with him. And that's by Oswald Chambers, the guy that wrote uh, my utmost for his highest, this daily devotional. And so there's, there's still this, this juxtaposition of, of, you know, do I know Christ or do I know about Christ? Do I love him and have a relationship with him or do I just know doctrine about, about Jesus? And I would say we need both. I would say doctrine does carry a lot of bad baggage with it, but it's something that we need. For instance, if you have a relationship with God, you need to know who that God is, Right? I mean, if you're worshiping a God that's very different than the Bible, you would probably be like, dude, that's, that's not the God of the Bible. You're worshiping kind of your own little thing with this Eastern Buddhist tradition of what you think is Jesus, right? So you need to, at some point, you do need to know doctrine to know what you believe. And here's the definition of doctrine. If you're taking notes, the next point in your skillet just says definition of doctrine. Here's the definition that I want to give you. You can write it down. It's a principle for acceptance or belief. That's it. A principle for acceptance or belief. That's all doctrine is. And so if you really define it like that, it's like, oh, it's just the principles that we believe and accept. It's like, oh, well, there's a lot of them. You know, we believe in the Bible. That's, that's a piece of doctrine right there. Doctrine comes from uh, the Middle Ages Latin, meaning uh, to teach. That's the idea of doctrine. Uh, Jesus was a teacher. Jesus was a rabbi. Every, every time we decide to believe something, we're adhering to a doctrine. And so we need to know what is correct and what is incorrect, what the Bible says and what the Bible doesn't say, because our very salvation depends on it. So here's this. I want to give you a discussion question. The discussion question is this. Write this question down because you'll, you'll, you'll want to come back to it. Um, here's the question. What yes or no question, what yes or no question can you ask to find out if someone is a Christian? So if you're in a conversation with a person and they're like, yeah, I believe this and this, is there a question? What yes or no question can you ask to find out if someone is a Christian? 
And obviously, you know, you might be smart about it and say, well, just ask them, are they a Christian? But a Mormon would say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Uh, A Jehovah's Witness would say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Many uh, cults would say, oh yeah, we're Christians, but they have very different beliefs than what we believe as when we think of the term Christian. Even a lot of of Americans would just say, you know, someone that hasn't been to church in five years and has never read the Bible would, you know, if they were asked, what religion are you? They might say, oh, oh, I'm a Christian like everybody else, you know, I'm a Christian. Uh, and, And like, are you really? You know, do you really believe that Jesus um, died for your sins? And so I want, th- that's the question. So I want to set you up with a scenario. Are you ready for this? I'm going to set you up with a scenario. Then you're going to answer that question. What yes or no question would you ask to find out if someone is a Christian? Is anybody with me so far? Okay, good. Because right, that's kind of confusing. Here's the situation. Imagine yourself. You lead a small group with another person. Let's call this person Bob. You and Bob lead a small group. Bob is not the brightest crayon in the box. Bob is not the sharpest tool in the shed. Bob is a few french fries short of a happy meal. You and Bob leading this group. He's a great guy, though. So on Friday night at the mill, Bob meets this guy. Let's call him W... uh, No, wait. Let's call him uh, just a weird theologian guy. W-T-G. Got it? WTG, weird theologian guy. He meets him at the mill. They get to talking. Bob is bragging about the small group that he leads. And WTG, weird theologian guy, says, hey, I want to come to your small group and teach. And Bob says, sure, why not? Just come and teach. And, and, you know, he says, are you a believer? And the guy's like, yeah, I'm a believer. Um, I believe. And so Bob invites this guy to teach at you and Bob's small group that's, let's say, on Monday night. So Monday night rolls around. It's five minutes before the small group starts. Bob is not there. He calls you up. Bob says, dude, I can't be at small group tonight. I totally forgot. I'm supposed to be in California for a family reunion. My mom's going to kill me. (laughs) And and so Bob says, but I got this guy coming tonight who will teach uh, our small group for like, he's got like 15 minutes to share. And you're like, what? Who is this guy? He's like, oh, I don't know his name, but I called him weird theologian guy on Friday night. I met him and he seems cool. And he's going to teach our small group uh, for like 15 minutes. And you're like, dude, Bob, that's not cool, man. And, and Bob says, well, he's going to come and he's gonna, I told him he could teach. So don't, don't tell him he can't. He's, you'll offend him. And so you hang up the phone with Bob, weird theologian guy, WTG comes over, knocks on the door, comes in, and, and you have like two minutes now before Bible study starts. And you have to find out, okay, as the small group leader, you're kind of responsible. If this guy starts teaching heresy, that's not good, right? If you're the small group leader and he's like preaching heresy about like, I don't know, whatever. I mean, you're, you're still going to be at the small group, so it's not that dangerous, you know, to let him teach. But it's probably better if, you know, if he starts teaching and then you have to get in an argument in front of everybody, and then what do you do? You kick him out in front of everyone? and It'd just be weird. So you want to find out, okay, is this guy a Christian? Is this guy a believer? You have two minutes to ask this guy what he believes. And so that, th- this is the discussion question. What yes or no question can you ask this guy? So it's got to be yes or no, so it could be easy, so that you can know whether this guy is a Christian, a Christian like us, or not. And so the question that you, you can ask can be, have lots of different parts to it. And so you could say, do you believe this, this, and this, and this, yes or no? That's fine. But would you try to, with your group, 
um, come up with a question. And then other people in your group or sitting around you or whatever, you can kind of be, I hate this term, but it's, I don't know of any other term, be the devil's advocate and, and say, well, that's not a very good question because of this and this. And like, let's, let's reword it to say this. So do you understand what you're supposed to do? That was probably like the longest build-up to a discussion question we've ever had in the Mill Sunday School. But I do. And so, so be bold. There's a lot of like old Sunday School. So if you're a Sunday Schooler for a long time, make sure that you got some other people with you. Uh, invite people to your, to your group. And try to come up with a sentence. And then what we'll do is we'll have a couple tables share, just read out their sentences, and kind of fi- figure out, okay, what, what's a really good yes or no question? So you got it? Does anyone got it? Okay, good. All right. Ready, get set, go. Discuss. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand And cast a wishful Canaan's fair and happy land Where my possessions lie All o'er those wide extended plains Shines one eternal day There gathers some
Is it a good question? Need some more time? Give you like a minute or so to wrap up. And maybe try to write your statement down so that you could just read it. I think we got some uh, microphones coming out from the tech booth, and uh, and uh, oh, there they are. They're already here. And so maybe just and so I want to get to quite a few. So so don't just read what you wrote. You don't have to comment like give a commentary on it. Just let what what you wrote speak for itself, and then we'll we'll try to get to a few of these. So who wants to share? Everybody at your table, point to the person that you want to read. And then that person has to, everyone's like, not me, not me, please, no. Who wants to start us off? <clears throat> we got girls in the front. Okay. Maybe so get the attention of the other, the, the person with the other mic so that we could, we could go pretty quickly. Okay. Would you mind standing up for us so we could oh. see you? Cool glasses, by the way. Do you believe that Jesus is the only Son of God? He is both God and man. He's the only way to God, and the Bible is God's word to us. Nothing has been added or changed in it over time. I like that one. Very good. So you got Jesus, Bible, nothing's been changed. I like it. Yes. Everybody did one. Don't be afraid. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Um, do you believe that Jesus is your God and only salvation? That's good. Do you believe that Jesus is your God and the only way to salvation? I like it. Good. Oh, come on. Don't be shy. Yes, thank you, Michelle. Okay, do you believe that Jesus is 100% man, 100% God? Is the, there's only one God. Follow him with all your heart. And do you believe and follow everything Christ said? Sweet. I like that. Yeah, that'd be good. So weird theologian guy comes over. You're sitting there. He just like asks him this question. He's like, uh. And if he has a problem with some of your questions, then you would say, hey, maybe you should teach next week. He's like, yeah, I don't really believe Jesus is God. You'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know that we can let you teach because this is a New Life Church small group and we do believe that Jesus is God and Lord. And, and so, yeah, these are all really good questions. Yes, go ahead for us. Do you believe that Jesus was fully God and fully man, that he died for your sins and rose again, and that your salvation is totally based on grace and not on your good deeds? That's good. I like that. I like that. So a lot, a lot having to do with Jesus and salvation working only through him. Yeah, go ahead. Do you believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Lord and Savior, and the only way to the Father? That's good. That's good. Anybody else? Maybe one more-ish? No? Yes. Thank you. The last one's always the best, anyways. Do you believe the Bible is complete and true, the inspired word of God? 
Oh, that's good. So it's because the Bible says that Jesus is Lord. And so if you believe that, that's great. Do you realize that what we're really doing here, what you kind of discussed, hopefully had a little bit of fun doing, is you're really, what we really just did was we wrote uh, a very small, a very rudimentary creed. We just kind of did that. And so are creeds bad? No, creeds are fun. Creeds are your friend. Um, In the early church, Kind of the first really big, there's like the Apostles' Creed that came early on, but as, and as an early church came together, I mean, imagine being in the really early church, and the only Bible that you had was the Old Testament. Maybe you had a gospel, but you probably didn't have all four until, you know, much later in early church history. And maybe, let's say you were at Corinth, and you had the, the letter that Paul wrote to you. And so a letter from the apostle, you had a gospel telling you about Jesus, and you had the Old Testament. And that's all you had is the Bible. And you're trying to figure out, you know, what, what really do we believe? Um, because at some point, as all Christians, we need a creed. You know, you could just say, you know, be sitting in a coffee shop and, 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 you know, you love Jesus and you believe in the Bible. Someone comes up to you and says, hey, I, I see you're reading a religious book. What, what do you believe? And, and your answer to him or her is, is oh, I, I believe in this book. I believe in the Bible. And you're like, okay, well, what's in the, what's it? Maybe they don't know, let's just say. And it's like, well, what's in the Bible? Are you a Christian? And you're like, well, I don't like to put myself in a box. What I believe is the Bible. And so you hand it to them and they're like, okay. And they just kind of flip it open and they, they look at it and, and they're like, okay. Uh, so you believe and the pig that has a split hoof completely divides, does not chew cud, is unclean. You must not eat the meat or touch the carcass. They are unclean for you. Of all the creatures living in the waters and the seas, you may eat of any that have fins and scales but and so you're and so you're like that's what you believe and you're like no i mean we kind of eat pig now but that's the old testament thing uh so uh, but some people still don't eat pig because it's gross and and so uh yeah we we believe in it but not not the laws of the old testament so the person's looking at you like so you don't believe in the bible and like no 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 no, i do believe in the bible but you just got to read the whole thing to understand what i believe and so you give him one and he's like okay well, can't you just summarize what you believe? And you're like, no, 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 no. I don't believe in doctrine. I can't tell you. You have to read the Bible for yourself. That's silly, right? That's silliness. At some point, we need a, a creed. Even if you don't want to call it the C word and say creed, you can say, oh, here's, here's what I believe basically. And, and all of you that re- read something uh, are, is a really good uh, creed, a very rudimentary, short creed that you can tell someone. They're in, in the early church, so going back to the early church, um, they came together as, as a bunch of Christians. As Christianity spread and started growing, there was a need to say, okay, here's what we believe. That, that, here's what we believe. If you don't believe this, then you're outside of the church. You're a heretic. You're a bad guy. And so this creed came along in, in about 325 AD. Uh, a, a bunch of Christians from all over the known world, bishops, the leaders of cities, of churches, came together and came up with the Nicene Creed. And what's cool about the Nicene Creed is that it was written in 325 AD and has really stood the test of time. Because here we are in 2009, and 325 AD is a long time ago. And all Christians everywhere uh, would say, yeah, this, this creed, I believe in this creed. Whereas if you're talking to with a Mormon, you ask the Mormon if, if, if the Mormon really knows what's in the Nicene Creed, and you ask him, do you believe in the Nicene Creed? They would say, no, I would disagree with some of the points of the Nicene Creed. So I'm going to read this creed, and, and maybe many of you have heard it before. I know as a kid, uh, we read this, 
I think every Sunday as a Catholic, uh, in a Catholic service, some churches read it every Sunday, and my, my church did. And so many of you have probably heard this before. And I'm going to read it kind of slowly, and just want you to think about it, because the, the main points that many of you said in your little yes or no question to the weird theologian guy are in here. This is much longer, but here's what it says. It says, we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. Have you heard that before? Is that familiar lingo to you? We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, one in being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and our salvation he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit he became incarnate of the Virgin Mary and was made a man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and Son, and with the Father and Son he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in the holy, universal, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection to come and the life of the world to come. It's a good statement, huh? It's a big statement. It takes a lot just to read all that. And so Christians in the early church came up with that statement, and it really has stood the test of time. It's, it's, a, it's a creed of old that is still outlast, still today, all Christians everywhere. If you had a, a problem with the Nicene Creed, you're like, oh yeah, I don't know if the, I don't know that Jesus is one in being with God. You'd, whoa, 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 what, what are you saying? You're saying you don't believe Jesus is God? Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, you know, you might be calling yourself a Christian, but that is core to what we believe. Are there any verses in the Bible that say Jesus and God are, are one? Yeah, a whole bunch of them. It's said over and over again. Jesus says it himself. The letters of the apostles say it again and again. Romans says it. Um, Jesus says, I and the Father am one. Uh, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And then it goes on to say, Jesus was the Word that came to this earth, and it was God made flesh. And so lots of times in the Bible, it, it, we, it talks again and again about Jesus being one God, one with God, one in being with him. And so as a kid, I remember listening to this creed, and as a, as a little kid, I was very inquisitive about spiritual things, uh, lots of things, really. I was the kind of kid that was like, why? And you kind of get an answer, and like, why? And then like another why, well, why? <laughs> and I remember asking my mom like spiritual questions, like, mom, what's the spirit? It's like, well, that's the thing that's living inside of you. And I was like, whoa, there's something living inside of me? And she's like, yes, I guess. And I remember I was like, well, what's it look like? And it's like, well, it doesn't really have, you can't really see it. And I'm like, well, does it have a color? She's like, no. So it's clear like saran wrap? And she's like, no, it's different. <laughs> I was like, well, what happens to the spirit when you die? And she's like, well, it, it lives on after you die. It's like, well, where does it go? It goes to heaven. It's like, oh, sweet. And, and I was just like, I mean, this is me as like a little four-year-old kid, if you could imagine. <laughs> and so like in church, I remember reading this creed and my mom's like trying to keep us quiet, me and my little brother. I don't, I don't know, I remember exactly how old I was, but I wanted to know about this creed. And so it starts off with, we believe in God. And so I was like, mom, do you believe that? She's like, yes, be quiet. <laughs> She's like, mom, does dad believe that? I was like, yes, be quiet. <laughs> and then I said this question, do I believe it? And she said, yes, now be quiet. 
<laughs> and because she knew if she said, uh, do you believe it? Then she would have had to explain what it was. And, it's, and it would have taken forever. And she was trying to just keep me quiet. But I think sometimes, and you know, the, that, aunt, that question and answer is very childish. You know, do I believe in this? And someone saying, yes, you believe in this, is very, um, you know, it can be very indoctrinating. You know, like someone saying, do I believe in the Trinity? And you're like, yes, you do believe in the Trinity because you're a Christian. And, and sometimes we don't have the opportunity to say, well, why? Why do I believe in the Trinity? Why do I believe in Jesus as the only way? Why? Why, why do I believe in the Bible? And I think in some ways, <clears throat> to, to kind of challenge you, um, in some ways, it's, and I've, I've gone through stages of my life where I just kind of believe what someone told me to believe, especially early on as a Christian. I had no idea why I believed in the Trinity. I just did because someone told me, we believe in the Trinity. God is three persons. And so I was like, oh, I believe it because my youth pastor said it. And we don't do the digging for ourselves. And if we don't do the digging for ourselves in the scripture, then that's where I think this, the term doctrine becomes a bad D word, where it's just someone telling you something you have to believe. And so what I would encourage you is, is to do your own digging. And so this, this week, and, and last week actually, I've, I've, as a pastor at New Life, and you know, people just think I'm smart because I have my doctorate. Believe me, there's a difference between being educated and being smart. <laughs> Not that smart. But people assume, that, oh, Joe, you're so smart because you got your doctorate and you're so cool. Would you help us uh, uh, rewrite our statement of faith at New Life Church. And I'm like, what? We got to rewrite it? What do we believe in differently now? He's like, oh, no, no, it's not like that. We have, because before, like in the past, we've had about three different statements. Just over time, like we have a very short statement at New Life. If you want to be like a small group leader, or if you want to be part of the New Life Church, uh, or they're calling it the dream team now, our leadership team at New Life, you have to sign a little statement of belief that says uh, that you're a Christian, basically. And it's very simple. It's about half a paragraph long. You just kind of check say yes. And so that's one of our statements. And then we have a really long statement that like fills up a front and back, a single space typed sheet of paper. And so if you go over to like Guest Central and New Life Church and you're like, well, what's this church believe? They'll say, oh, well, you know, we, we're a normal Christian church. You know, we're a Protestant church and we believe in Jesus. And, they, and they, if you want to know more, they might give you the piece of paper, this huge New Life Church statement of beliefs. It's like, front and back, single space typed. Uh, they'll give that to you. I, I believe it's single space. It's pretty big. That's all I know. <clears throat> and so there's that statement. And then if you look online and you go who we are, what we believe, you could click on what we believe. And it comes up with another statement that's in between the length of the statement you get at the guest central and in between the very short statement. And I think it's very, it's patterned itself off of uh, Gateway Church, which Brady Boyd used to be a pastor at, and now he's here. And so he kind of took that statement. So New Life, kind of like right now-ish, we, st- we have three statements of belief, and all of them are good. There's nothing wrong with any one of them. Each one of them are longer, shorter, worded a little differently, but they all say the same thing. You know, the basics of our faith are on there. Some of them in more detail, some of them in less details. But what we wanted was one statement. Like if we're going to, you know, let's, let's all just have one statement. <clears throat> I'll be on the same page. We'll put that statement on our leadership applications. We'll put that statement online. We'll, we'll make that statement our statement that we hand someone if they want uh, a written form of what we believe at Guest Central. And so I got to be a part of that. And so this last week and, uh, and the week before, I have been like digging in Scripture, looking at the Nicene Creed, other creeds uh, of the early church. I've been looking at other churches' statements of beliefs. I've been taking all three of our statements, kind of condensing it, kind of rewording it, because sometimes it, sometimes it seemed like it was just 
using big words just to use big words. And I figure like if I have to look up a word, then it, and it's not easy for someone who's like a new believer to understand this statement. If I, if I have to go to the dictionary, then they certainly will because they're, you know, they're new to being Christian, whatever. So I took this, all three statements, combined them down to about maybe like a one-page, uh, double-spaced, and lots of, lots of ordering it. And it was just fun. I found scriptures, and then we put those scriptures in place. Like if it said, you know, we believe in the Trinity. And then there were scriptures going back. It's like, oh, you know, this scripture says to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So we took that scripture and put it up there with Trinity. So there's, there's scriptures going along with each of the statements that we made. And I just had so much fun. Does anyone else think that would be fun? Like if you got to spend your week doing that, I had fun doing that. It's just what I get to do every week, have fun and look at the Bible. And, and so I had tons of fun doing that and knowing that it was, you know, I was going to send this off to the executive staff and Brady Boy was going to look at it. So it had to be good. I had to spend a lot of time doing it because this is going to be our statement as a church that we believe in. And, and, and so I did that and I just had so much fun digging for myself and saying, okay, why do we believe in the Trinity? Is there things in the Bible that, that clearly say God is triune? And I would say yes. And so what are those scriptures? And I got to look at those scriptures and pull it out and word it the way in which uh, it, it, I kind of stole some ancient, like early Christian church uh, wording of the Trinity and some other statements of faith and, and made it, you know, kind of our own as New Life Church. And, and it just had so much fun doing that. And I think if, we, if you ever miss out on that, if, if, if you're a new Christian and you've never seen it for yourself, you've never dug into the Bible and said, yeah, why do we believe what we believe? Why, why does, you know, the church teach that Jesus is the only way? Is that in the Bible? Or is that just something someone made up? It's like, no, that's in the Bible. See it for yourself. Dig into it and find it. And so, uh, and so what I'm, I'm challenging you with that, dig into the Bible, know that why you believe doctrine. Don't think doctrine is just a bad word that someone's saying, you have to believe this because of that. But doctrine is something that we need to tell someone else what we believe and to see if someone else is on the same page and like-minded with us. So doctrine is good. Is everybody okay with that? Doctrine's good. Say it. Doctrine's good. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like we learned something in here today. And so the purpose of the Mill Sunday School, because I'm, I'm challenging you, I'm saying dig deep into the Word. And I don't just want to say, yeah, go, go here, take this Bible and, and go, and go do your homework for the next 10 hours. And then when you've come back, go do it some more for another 10 hours. Go dig deep. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the Mill Sunday School is about partnering. And, and it's about, you know, you don't have to dig by yourself. You don't have to do the hard work of theology and doctrine by yourself. And as we've looked at this year of the Mill Sunday School, we've kind of decided, okay, what is big? What are important things in the Christian life that we need to know about? And so we've, we've all, all the words in Sunday School are big words. And so I'll promise you, I'll guarantee you that you'll know, you might be looking at this in hermeneutics. What's the eschatology? Uh, pneumatology? Soteriology? What are all these words? Is it just trying to be cool and make big words? Yeah, that's what we're trying to be cool. <laughs> that's my kind of cool, like to use big words. But I guarantee you, after you come to the Mill Sunday School, uh, let's say if you commit the year to coming to Mill Sunday School and you come to all of these months, um, you'll know what these words mean. You will know doctrine at the end of the year of Mill Sunday School because we've lined it up and outlined it as what's important 
what is, what is essential to know? And, and Mill Sunday School isn't just the basics. If you're, if you're describing what Sunday School is to someone, it's not just the basics. Oh, it's just basic stuff. It's, you know, kid stuff. It's, it's, you know, it's just the basics. No, we're going, we're trying to go a mile wide and a mile deep into theology and get good theological foundational grounding into why we believe what we believe. And so that's the heart, that's the purpose behind Sunday School, to dig deep into the Bible and, and find out what we believe, because it is the difference between life and death. Let's pray this morning. God, as we, as we close the Mill Sunday School, God, we do pray for, for good, sound doctrine to be in our hearts and minds. God, we want to love you and to know you fully. God, we want to know you with truth. We want to know you as you truly are. We don't want to worship an image of you that we've created for ourselves because we don't know the Bible good enough. We don't know who you are good enough. God, we, we truly want to know you, worship you in spirit and in truth, to follow after your ways, to dig into the Bible, to be awakened and, and charged up and full of life by studying who you are and what you've done on this earth. So God, we praise you. We love you so much, God. Use the Mill Sunday School to teach us so that we could teach others. Disciple us, Father. Use, use us to be your servants on this earth. And we do pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen. All right, my peeps, we're, we're leaving a little early, so slap some high fives, throw out some hugs, go to big church. Peace out. Slap the high fives. <laughs>